This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, here's what's going on on the diamond tonight. In the fifth, the Cardinals lead the Padres 4-2. St. Louis trying to sweep that best of three. The Braves take out the Reds 5-0. They sweep it 2-zip. Athletics knock off the White Sox 6-4. They win the series two games to one. Brewers and Dodgers in about an hour. Marlins and Cubs postponed. Miami up 1-0 in that best of three. Blue Jays were eliminated yesterday. Good to catch up with Buck Martinez. Had him on the show just before 7 o'clock, and uh, Thursday night football, it is Denver leading the New York Jets 10-7 a couple minutes into the second quarter, and I thank Bob Stoffer for taking himself away from that battle of 0-3 teams to come on Inside Sports tonight. Hi, Bob. Reed, uh, that is a proverbial broken window game where you have two tickets to the Jets and the Broncos on the dash in your car. You go running in to your local 7-Eleven, and you come back, and the dash the window in your car is broken and there's two more tickets to the same game so that's all you need to know right there in terms of a proverbial broken window game still this joke going uh, it's a bad football game tonight yeah I, I actually just flipped to it i had a baseball game on but i wasn't really uh paying attention to that i mean look the, the broncos have been a, a pretty good nfl franchise going back to uh, getting Elway. And side note for the, some of you who may not be old enough to remember, John Elway refused to go to uh, the team that drafted him, uh, wound up with the Denver Broncos. The yeah. New York Jets, for the most part, I guess they had some okay teams with a couple runs to the AFC Championship game under Rex Ryan, a couple good years under Bill Parcells. Generally, they've not been a good franchise, though. Uh, well, I won in 69, as you know, Joe Namath. Uh, Elway to Marino was a brilliant ESPN 30 for 30 that discussed Ernie Orcasey, who at the time uh, was running, uh, you know, I'm trying to recall, it was, I think it was the Colts that uh, drafted uh, John Elway, in spite of the fact that Elway uh, had uh, told Martin Denoff, his agent, uh, and Martin Denoff had uh, told the Colts, don't draft him. And... Uh, they drafted him, and he refused to sign there, so they ended up having to trade him. They traded him to the Denver Broncos during a basketball game for the Nuggets. It was a big deal at that time. And as you know, Reed, uh, Pat Boland owned uh, the uh, the Broncos. It's still in the Boland Family Trust right now. Fred Fleming did, did stuff with uh, Brian Hall dating all the way back to the 70s as part of that group. And my uncle, uh, who has long since passed, Mel Rackham-Up Rapley, who played football at Ricks College, um, he worked uh, in, shall we say, accounting for Bolin and Matoni during uh, the challenging times of the early 1970s in Alberta uh, when they were building the Coliseum. So a little bit of a football tie-in to uh, Alberta for the Denver Broncos, which is really the genesis of why a lot of uh, fans in Edmonton have liked uh, the Broncos. Uh, that and the fact that we got stuck watching the Seahawks when they weren't very good for a number of years, the Broncos were pretty good. So I know during my days at most sports parlor, the Denver Broncos were one of the most popular teams uh, in the southwest part of Edmonton at that time. Yeah, I, I love how you bring in the Edmonton connection too. Okay, uh, Bob Oilers now noon to 2 every day on 6.30. Chad, that's your show. Uh, I re- was really interested in Brian Lawton. 
yesterday about Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Frank Cervelli reporting today that there's there's progress in talks between the Oilers and Nuge about a contract extension. He said it's not close, but but things are getting rolling. I, I really thought that was interesting how Brian Lawton said it's not always about the annual average value for a player. Sometimes he'll look, how much am I going to make in my career? That's a pretty good number. So if this contract and my last contract adds up to whatever, 70, 80, 90, 100, sometimes they'll they'll take that rather than worrying about half a million dollars or so per season. Well, it's interesting, Reed, because what's happened with the guys that have been able to sign already is they've got pretty good deals. Like Jeff Petrie getting a four-year extension of 33 in the sixes, I'd say that's a pretty good deal for Jeff. Um, the extension that Jonas Brodin got surprised me at that height just because he had never put up a lot of points. Uh, Nuge is an interesting one. I, I mean, I don't know what you think. I, to me, you know, I don't think I'd be insulted getting $6.5 million on an eight-year extension, similar price point to a guy like Braden Shen. If you're Nugent Hopkins camp, maybe you're asking the starting point of Matt Duchesne at eight times eight. I'm going to tell you right now, if the National Predators put Matt Duchesne on waivers, I don't believe anybody in the league would pick him up. Uh, just because if you look at what the Preds have done at center, you got $26 million tied up with four centers. It ain't working for them. They might even end up buying out Kyle Turris. Uh, maybe not this year, but maybe next year. So, you know, somewhere between six and a half to eight uh, for RNH. And we'll see the app. Like, I'm not sure. To be honest with you, I don't have a hot clues to where they're at right now. And some people think, Reed, they got to they got to know where they're at because there might be opportunities to sign other players. And, you know, other people might say, just, you know what, just wait and see what guys go for free agency. And maybe that alters the perspective that Rick Bellet from Octagon, and that's the firm that Brian Lott started. Uh, maybe that'll alter Rick, Rick Bellet's, you know, and Ryan's perspective or conversely, maybe that'll alter Ken Hollis. But I don't actually know. I mean, I'm like you. I read a lot of Cerevelli stuff today. He hammered on a lot of points. They obviously pulled their resources at TSN between all the people that contribute there, like, you know, Darren Drager and uh, Gord Miller, uh, who's long had a relationship with Ken Holland and locally Ryan Rashog, and, and they pulled their resources there. So, uh, but I don't know where we're at right now with R&H. I, I, here's the th- interesting thing there. I, I mean, he's whether he signs now or waits a year, and even if he has an incredible offensive season, he he's not going to get more than Leon Dreisaitl. So, like you said, if he, if he, he I think he likes Edmonton. He's got the ties to you know his wife's from Red Deer. He played junior hockey there. He's only one province away from where he grew up. There's a lot of reasons for him to stay here, especially if he continues to be a line mate of one of McDavid or Dreisaitl. That's a pretty cool gig. And and he knows okay if he gets a slight raise, six and a half. You know, so he, he gets he gets that. Obviously, it's probably going to be prorated over the next year, and they got to worry about the escrow and all that kind of stuff. But he can still be pretty secure, and he gets to to remain an oiler, and it doesn't crush them cap wise. I I just think, like you said, eight times six and a half. Why not? You give him a little bit more. You recognize what he's done, and he commits to the team long term. It, it wouldn't surprise me at this stage if the Nugent Hopkins camp is saying the numbers got to start at a seven. The only concern you have is if you don't have him done. Yeah, he plays through the year. But what if you don't re-sign him and you're a good team going for the playoffs and you end up losing the player for nothing? That would be... Now, that said, I actually believe because we're going to have the cap just so the listeners know. It's 815, 815, 82.5 in theory, depending upon what perspective is prorated if we're playing 48, 60, 72, or 82 games next year. So... There's not going to be a lot of growth in the cap as well, Reed, for the next three years. But it is 
I would think it's a pretty – I know they've had conversations between Rick Bellette and Ken over the last uh, couple days, last three or four days. So let's see, as, as was reported by Frank Cervelli. So let's let's see where this all goes. Bob Stoffer joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, Oliver ekman Larson has uh, – that's been reported as well, that uh, Edmonton, one of the teams he does not want to be traded to, Oscar Clefbaum – dealing with uh, the shoulder issue, and Ken Holland is expected to to speak to the media on Monday about the draft. Yeah. I'm sure there will be questions about Nuge and about Clefbaum. What, what is actually going on? If it's going to be surgery that leads to him being out long-term, could have this been decided on m- middle of August, shortly after the Oilers were eliminated? There's definitely a story there. I wonder if we'll get some clarity from Ken. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure the listeners are aware. I mean, Clefbaum played every game. And then basically, surprisingly, came out of the lineup after he played 25, 30 minutes of back-to-back games against Florida and Carolina. And suddenly we're flying home and we, you know, it's, the word is he's he's getting a procedure done and he missed three weeks worth of action, missed nine games, came back for three games. Then we had the pause and he went over to Sweden and he comes back from Sweden and he never really seemed right. And, uh, you know, again, we don't, we don't know what's going on there. The player is literally thousands of miles away, so we're going to have to get a... I don't even know if Ken Holland's going to have a full update for us. I mean, but it, I would say at this stage of the game, based on what was reported by Elliot Friedman um, on Wednesday, it would not surprise me if uh, we're, we're looking at at least six weeks... Or, sorry, check that, six months. Uh, you know, if he gets a shoulder surgery done, Reed, that takes him out until, you know, October, November, December, January, February, March. Now we're talking that he's not back the earliest to April. So the owners will have to manage the cap accordingly. Can they put him on LTIR? Can they sign a defenseman? I think you know who I want um, based upon our discussions over the last couple of years. I've always, I just, I just, for me, the right fit is Tyson Berry. A right shot guy, as good as the owners' power play was, it wasn't at all heavily dependent upon a point shot. A different dimension with Barry. He's a better offensive-minded defenseman than Clefbaum. You can make an argument on his you know, defensive abilities, but there's no question who's got the higher ceiling offensively. So I'm going to be really intrigued to see how the Oilers manage the next uh, 17 to 20 days here. Bob, I, I can remember uh, you in uh, the old building talking about Tyson Barry. And, I'm, and what was that? What have we been, four years now in Rogers' place? So you've liked well, this player for a while. Reed, here's the thing. I like competitive small players, and I have a theory why. And this is why years ago you and me talked about uh, Chris Russell and Derek Dorsett when they were down in Medicine Hat. Brennan Gallagher when he was with the Vancouver Giants. Now, I tend to need to see them myself. Uh, Tyson Barry was playing with Kelowna. Brayden Point. Like There's seven to ten former Alberta Golden Bear players that I broadcast their games that are now in that league. And so... They're pretty honest with me. And usually I don't ask them about their players. I'll ask them about other players and other teams. Tyson Berry, guys thought was going to play. Um, guys were certain Braden Point was going to play. And there's another guy in this year's draft, uh, Seth Jarvis, that's really uh, got a lot of confidence. And Brendan Gooley as well, by the way. I just want to mention he's the, uh, sorry, Caden Gooley. Uh, those are the, the, you know, a couple guys out of the West that a lot of guys really like. So, but Gooley's a bigger guy. Jarvis, smaller guy. I don't mind small players, and I think these players actually are often overlooked. They have to think their way around the ice. 
Um, and the game's changed, and it's opened up to smaller players, and those players have been bargains. I mean, the Oilers were emphasizing size, you know, during Steve Tamalini's era. Cam Abney in the third round of 09. Uh, Mitch Moraz in the second round of 2012. Like, they, they invested a lot of picks into, you know, and they traded for, I remember they did the Tobias Reader trade. I'm trying to think of the guy they got that had a decent 19- or 20-year-old year. In the WHL, and he never ended up playing an NHL game. So was that Edmonton, was it Kessie in that deal? Yeah, Kale Kessie. Good job. Yeah. So you know they kind of they you know because they had the smaller guys like Gagne, Cogliano, and Nilsson, they drafted some bigger boys. The game moved in a different direction under Pete Chiarelli, and how small guys can play. And so I'm not intimidated by Barry's size. He had a tough year in Toronto. Those things happen. By all reports, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent. And with the loss of Clefbaum, to me. He'd be close to the right point, point, uh, right price point, and the right guy to go get. Reed. All right, it's going to be fun following that. Don't be too excited. I have a quiz for Stoffer. Uh oh. Two categories. You can pick which category you want first. Oilers draft picks or the nineteen ninety three Blue Jays, since they were just in the playoffs. We'll go back to a World Series year. Uh, let's go ninety three. Blue Jays. 93 Blue Jays first. Who had 200 hits and 114 walks for the 1993 Jays? Paul Molitor. It was the other one, John Olerud. Oh, man. Well, I just remember Ted Williams talking about the guy that he liked the best as a hitter. And the hitter he liked the best was Molitor because he didn't overswing. Obviously, Olerud was a very just. I should have remembered that. That year, it was incredible. I mean, Olerud's on-base percentage during the course of his career was outstanding. We've seen him, you know, we saw him moving away from that because we wanted, you know, you wanted power off your first base. And he was never, I think he had one big home run year. Uh, And they had, you know, Cecil Fielder that could just pound it uh, that spent some time at first base as well. But uh, Olerud was a... What was what was the situation? Did he suffer a head injury? I'm trying to. Recall. Yeah, he had, he had some sort of a, a brain issue where if he yeah. took a knock to the head, I think there could be yeah. some bleeding or something like that. So that's why he wore the batting helmet all the time, dugout right. field at the yeah. plate all the time. Ninety three AL MVP voting. It was Frank Thomas, then Molitor, then Olerud, and then Alomar was sixth. So the Blue Jays had three of the top six in uh, MVP voting. The Oilers draft pick question, not counting Philip Broberg. Who was the last Oilers' first-round pick to never play a game in the NHL? Oh, uh, this not is, this counting is a good Broberg. One. Not counting Broberg because, yeah, he's he was just drafted. I mean, Bouchard already has. Obviously, Yamo has. I'm going to go Mike, Michael Heinrich, 1998. It's a little more recent than that, actually. It's 2002. Really? Yessie, oh, Nina yeah, Mackey. Oh, this, you know what, Reed? I was at that draft. That draft was in Toronto. That was the year that Jay Bomeister was told that Florida was taking him, and then they traded down to number three. And uh, the Predators took uh, Upshaw at six, and Lupul went at seven. And I was sitting about, I don't know, 20, 25 feet away from the Bomeisters and the Lupuls because they were very close together because they both played the Medicine Hat that year. And I'll never forget it. They... They took Ninamaki, and back then you used to get a little guide. They used to, you know, when we used to still print things. And Ninamaki was not on the first page of uh, Central Scouting's European list. And my wife looked at me and she goes, Who the hell is Jesse Ninamaki? You've never mentioned him. I could not find him on the first page. He was on the second page. He was ranked 50th by Central Scouting that year. You can look it up 50th amongst European prospects. 
Well, and the Oilers took him 15th overall. Wow. Yep. Well, yep. Yeah, never never played a game in the National Hockey League. Well, they Bob, made the one and two. Hey, Reed, they made the one in 2001 count. That guy was a pretty good pick at 13. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Alishemsky, 845 games in the National Hockey League. Hey, Bob, uh, I know we'll be in touch, but looking forward to doing the draft show with you starting Tuesday at 4, man. Thanks for checking in. Awesome, Reed. Take care. That is Bob Stoffer. Got some text rolling in about OEL and RNH during that conversation. 780-496-0063. I'll get to those when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Gord Bamford on the show after the 7.30 news. He's going to be doing a concert. Uh, we'll let you know about that. The Spruce Grove Saints involved, so that's pretty cool. You can text 780-496-0063. Also the phone number if you still use that old-fashioned device. Andy S. the Carpet Guy writes in. He says, hey, Reed, I agree with Bob. Tyson Berry is the guy with the wheels to help out a slow-footed Oilers defense. That is from uh, Andy. And Victor says, I wouldn't pay Nuge more than six and a half million times six years. Give him max term, which would be eight years, if he agrees to six million again. You can't let a motion into it. Holland won't and can't find a replacement for Nuge in the six million dollar range if he ends up not re-signing. The only thing that sucks is what Bob just said. If he doesn't re-sign, you want to get something for him at the deadline next season, but you don't want to let him go if they are making a playoff run. Well, I think it's good news that they're talking. Uh, like I said earlier, I, I think most of you like Ryan Nugent Hopkins uh, and see value at his game. I, I know every Oiler uh, might have his uh, detractors or people who criticize him. Um, but, yeah, I think he's he's a pretty valuable player on the team. We had a caller, Brian, earlier who pointed out how Nugent Hopkins has become a very strong two-way player and when you put him with McDavid or when you put him with Dreisaitl that line seems to get a little more productive having Nugent Hopkins on that line so I think a pretty valuable versatile two-way player for the Oilers absolutely all right 10-7 the Broncos leading the Jets halfway through the second quarter in Thursday night football we'll keep you updated well if you're even interested in that game (laughs) well Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. He probably played fantasy football or maybe some other form of uh, some other form of investment in that game. <laughs> I've heard it said that opposites attract.
in the music of our next guest on Inside Sports, the one and only Gord Bamford, who we welcome back to the show. Gord, you're on with Reed. That was your tune, Dive Bar. Now, where would you possibly get the inspiration for a song like that? <laughs> you know, it's good to be back on, Reed. You know, that was, uh, that was actually a song that was pitched to me. Another Canadian guy wrote that by the name of Tebe, and uh, I, I actually put it on hold. And then I got a call about two weeks later, and they're like, sorry, man, we got to take this off hold. A guy by the name of Blake Shelton likes the song as well. And I was like, well, that's too bad. So I ended up losing the song, and then he didn't cut it, and I got it back. So it went number one. So I guess uh, guess I was lucky a couple times there. Well, I think the last time you were on the show, uh, we were talking about Breakfast Beer was one of your tunes, and now you got one called Dive Bar. So you don't mind putting a little bit of... Uh, it's nice to be holding a pint when you're listening to your music, I guess. <laughs> There's a bit of a trend there, I guess, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's good to have you on the show. I want to I want to go down the musical road with you a bit here because uh, I, I do enjoy um, you know people in the entertainment industry and, and how they've been able to excel, which you've definitely done. Uh, but you're a big sports fan as well, big hockey fan. Uh, now, I've tweeted out these links. The links are on your account and on the Spruce Grove Saints. But tell us what you're doing here with the Spruce Grove Saints. This is pretty cool. Yeah, so we're excited. You know, we've been out doing these drive-in shows the last couple months. They've been going really great. And then you know, I got a call from uh, J.J. Bear, who's a friend of mine uh, from back in back in the day, you know, and then obviously worked with the Orders for many years. And, um, you know, they wanted to put something together for the community and the people there to, you know, have a little entertainment with all this pandemic and everything going on and then and give back to local charities and in the area. And, uh, you know, I just jumped at the opportunity. You know, it's, it's a great... Uh, great opportunity for us to go out and play another drive-in and and uh you know to get the people of natchison and the spruce grove area to out to a concert and, and raise some money for the community so yeah we've, we've got these things dialed in now we are they're live shows with big screens and you come in your vehicles and you either sit in the back of your truck or in your vehicle and um tailgate and have fun and you know it's, it's been really uh it's been really great you know we've seen lots of families come in and lots of lots of different people and car loads of course it's you know and when you buy your ticket it's per car load so you get six people it's very co- very cost effective so we've been having lots of success with it and i'm i'm glad we're continuing it so it's great well that is awesome so uh again this is saturday october 24th uh at seven uh it's uh, in partnership with gs construction and next gen transportation hockey sticks and Honky Tonk, a drive-in concert featuring Gord Bamford. Uh, and you're helping out uh, you're helping, you're helping out the Saints, but a couple of charities as well, I believe. Yeah, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's going to be great for the Saints, but the fact that they're giving back to the community is pretty cool too. So, that yeah, they're going to be helping out charities there. And, uh, you know, thanks to those sponsors for stepping up and, and you know, covering off our cost to be there and do it. And all the ticket money will go back to charities, and, and it's going to be a great day. And, and another cool thing that they got going on is a, is a Christmas toy, um, Christmas Christmas toy drive. So, uh, you know, instead of a food drive, you know, we're, we're not allowed to do that with the with the rules. The Christmas toy drive is a great idea, and you know, bring all the toys that you don't that you aren't playing with anymore, and maybe <laughs> some less fortunate kids can have them. So that's gonna be pretty neat as well. Yeah, good for you for doing this. Uh, the charities Cure ECHS One and the Foundation for Cohesive Communities Parkland County, and and again, this is all on the Saints uh, Saints website. So, and it, it is pretty neat, Gord. Uh, you know these drive-in concerts and and finding ways for people to connect and connect through music. 
maybe we can't gather in as large a groups as we used mm-hmm. to, and we still got to kind of keep our distance, even when we're at a, a concert like yours. But it, it just so many musicians and inter- entertainers like you have still found ways to connect with oh, an audience, and I think that's great. For sure, you know, and it was, you know, we were on a 40-date tour across Canada. We had three shows in, and it shut down. It was the biggest tour yet. And so we, uh, you know, it's all started got a call from the president of ATV and they wanted to do something in Alberta for the for mental health so it all started that way and we raised a bunch of money for mental health which is a huge uh, huge thing especially nowadays and for us as musicians and crew we we're just pumped to be able to play you know we didn't know when we we're going back and you know basically uh you know by March it looked like we weren't gonna well we didn't know when we we're gonna go back read and all of a sudden we had you know full summer of shows booked and we're you know albeit it wasn't what we're used to all making, we were just out there and happy to be playing music and, and giving and giving back to the people because, you know, it was so uh, you know people to get out of the house and come in and and listen to music again was a pretty cool thing. And like I said, we're seeing all sorts of people come out and you know now like I think it's better now they can sit in their back of their vehicles. There's a lot for us. It is you know we can actually see their faces and I think better for them. But uh, it's been uh, it's been something that we never thought we'd ever do, but. You know, it's been pretty cool. It's it's almost like it it could happen in real life. You know, where you kind of do a college tailgate, drive your car in type thing. It's weird how it all happens, but it felt, feels pretty good out there. Gord, uh, I believe you're also a hockey dad. What's the the status of uh, any hockey player or players in your family? Yeah, you know, I'm a hockey dad, and uh, my son Nash is was in Bantam draft in an old four draft in the Kamloops. So, yeah, I know he couldn't go to camp there this year. They didn't have it, but uh, he's. Uh, He's been skating in cameras with the junior A team there and, and uh, just playing up there right now. So, um, yeah, it's a weird year. I think it's just a development year, it looks like, and a bit of an opportunity for him to stay home another year and, and you know, get his upgrades, get, maybe get some grade 12 schooling. He's in grade 11 and and just continue to develop and uh, work his butt off and and try and get, get to Kamloops or to a junior A team at some point. You know, the next couple of years would be great for him and, great uh, great for for us we'd be pretty proud of him we're proud of him already and we hope he continues to play hockey and succeed so now is nash interested in dad's music or dad's musical career <laughs> or did he have any uh, any musical inclinations himself <laughs> no i mean I, he, I he's got a good voice i've heard him before my my oldest daughter paisley is really good and uh, she actually got up and performed our last drive-in show so who knows i might convince her to play um <laughs> he's, he's great you know she's just just turned 14 and she's uh she's kind of got the gift you know she's got that tone and that voice that is hard to get you know and uh she's uh put it this way she gets more views on facebook than i do already so it's it's like oh boy what we got here so (laughs) (laughs) no it's uh and the little one plays a little fiddle and you know we all love our sports but uh you know we live out here on pelican view estates and and by bash on buffalo lake and we've we've enjoyed the family time and the fishing and the outdoor stuff you know in this little bit of downtime that we're in but uh, we'd sure love to everybody's happy back in school and i'd sure like to see see this economy pick back up and get back to normal because we need that so i'm just encouraging people to follow the rules out there you know that's our only way to get back to normal a normal thing here again and uh, it's important so uh that's what we're doing in this drive-in show and, and uh hopefully everybody continues to do that so we can uh get back get our economy back where it needs to be because it's uh it's not good right now yeah, for sure. So you're near Bashaw now, eh? My my uncle used to live near New Norway. Uh, yeah, no, we go through there all the time, and uh, yeah. kids play 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 school sports there. But 
I kind of hung out here when I was a kid. I had some friends up here, and then we moved back from Nashville. Got a really good opportunity to, to buy some lakefront property my friends had developed. They, they kind of want us in here, and it's it's actually been crazy in these COVID times. It's been taking off. Like, all these lakefront lots have been selling, and you'd think it'd be the opposite, but, yeah, it's a beautiful spot. We, we love it out here, so... Gord Bamford joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Check my Twitter, his Twitter, Spruce Grove Saints, uh, Saints website for his uh, upcoming show Saturday, October 24th, Hockey Sticks and Hockey Talk. Um, all right, I mean, you have a job where you often work in the evening. Uh, so were you able to watch a lot of the playoffs? Um, you know, didn't go uh, didn't go as we were hoping for the Oilers, but how much of the, the bubble hockey did you get to enjoy and what did you think? Yeah, you know what I watched? I watched it fair. I watched all the order stuff, obviously, being a big order fan. But, yeah, I, I found myself watching towards the end even more and more. I did watch the finals, and I was kind of pulling for Dallas. You know, I felt like they had a had a pretty good chemistry going there and a, a real team atmosphere. But, uh, you know, I, it, as a hockey fan, I mean, I kind of, at the end of the day, I, I, I started not even noticing people in the building. Obviously, it would be great to have them in there, but... Yeah, it was fun to you know have have it back on TV and and watch it. And same with baseball and stuff. Playoffs are always fun, so we're starting to watch that. But yeah, not this. I'm sure it wasn't the same for the players. It, what was impressive was the passion that you know they did have on the ice. I mean, you could see it, you know. And um, and I think that that would have been really tough as a athlete to you know to perform at a high level without the that you know that sixth fan and the you know sixth guy on the on the ice with the fans, you know. But uh, yeah, it was good. I, I'm glad it was back, and hopefully it gets going again here soon because it's, uh, it's not a lot on TV <laughs> outside yeah. of that. So. Yeah, baseball won't last too much long. We've got the NFL, but I've, I've been making fun of tonight's game. It is 10-10. It's a close game, like the second oh, yeah. half, but it's it's two winless teams. Okay, let, let's talk a little bit of music. Um, it, I, I should mention Dive Bar, the track we played coming back was uh, up for single of the year at the Canadian Country Music Association Awards in 2019. You're also a Fans Choice Award nominee, Songwriter of the Year Award nominee, and you've been nominated tons of times. You won, I think it was 2015, you got male artist, single, songwriter. So, I mean, you're you're very yep. accomplished, obviously. Uh, where where, do the, where does the, the idea for a song come from? Is it a lyric? Is it a guitar riff? I, I'm just wondering where it all starts. Good question. I mean, my experience, I think, for a lot of writers is... Uh, like I back in the day when I, I started writing songs and and learning, I had a really good teacher, you know. So I kind of went through the whole the whole journeyman trend of learning, you know, year one, two, three, four, and then got good at it. But uh, um, we always just start with titles. So back in the day, I'd have a book full of titles, and and now I've got an iPhone full of title, titles. So <laughs> yeah, you just start with titles, and and uh, most of my writing is either co- with another person or or two co-write stuff. I've written a few things on my own, but yeah, you start with a title and an idea behind the title, and and you sit down in a room with, you know, some guitars or some people play piano, or and you, away you go, and you just, uh, you know, verse. Sometimes the chorus comes first, sometimes it's verse chorus, and but it's always around a hook, you know, a, a, like I went for one state till two, or a, you know, blame it on that red dress, or I mean, little guy was a song I wrote about my son, you know, eight hours after he was born, so obviously that was more of a life experience for me, but. I kind of write songs looking at what other people want to hear. I never write a song directly about what I'm feeling, you know, which sounds weird. I kind of, I kind of look at it as it, from the, from the fan and go like, what, what do you think they'd want to hear? And, you know, that's the one thing a guy, this guy by the name of Byron Hill told me years ago was, and that's 
he said just it's real simple he said just keep it simple and i've just kept all my music simple you know and and songs that people can relate to and you know it's worked for me so i, I i've never you know if it ain't broke don't don't fix it type thing so it, it's all all that way really I love how you how you put that and find that connection. And if you've ever listened to the show, uh, I'm sure you know I like the the rock band Def Leppard, and I, I like all the yeah. trivia about them. And they're that's one of my favorite records. That yeah. yeah. So and that's that's my story. When when they were making that with the great producer Mutt Lang, he told yeah. them, if you want to play twenty thousand seat arenas, you better write songs that sound good in twenty thousand seat arenas. And that's why they have all the sing along lyrics, right? Because yeah. they realize we want to get the crowd involved. Yeah, that's a great that's a great quote. And and actually, guy funny the guy I work with now, he studied under Mutt Lang, so because Mutt did all the Shania stuff too, so. He was down there in Switzerland back in the day and you know the Aussie stuff and all that. So it's, uh, I mean, there's not a better guy to have behind songs than Mutt Lang. So that's it, man. You just try and play songs, you write songs or play songs that people want to hear, you know, and not, not songs you want to hear necessarily. And that's my opinion anyway. So when you're working in the studio, obviously you have to listen over and over again and then you play songs live. But if if a song of yours comes on the radio, or we just played Dive Bar coming back from break, can can you listen to your own material that way, or do you, or do you find it awkward or odd? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was kind of I was I was digging that, so I was uh, yeah, I was I can I, I I listen to it, and I think more nowadays I like to listen to it more. I mean, when I first started coming on the radio, it was kind of a surreal moment where holy cow, I'm on the radio and. <laughs> kind of scary you know but now i it's fun to hear hear the songs and you know as your kids get older and they go to school or they're in high school you know all of a sudden their friends are playing it and you know they still think you're cool so it's it, it's good <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome gord we'll have to talk again uh, i i love catching up with you it's fun to talk sports and i love talking about the, the music industry and your journey as well so again it's yeah. hockey sticks and honky tonk it's Saturday, October 24th uh, at 7. Uh, you can go on Gord Bamfer's Twitter, on my Twitter, go to the Spruce Grove Saints Twitter or website and, and get all the information. Gordon and I threw some of it out earlier, but you can read all through it there and, and get your tickets and, and find out what they're doing. Thanks for and, checking in, Gord. You bet. Because we're on your show, if you want to get tickets right now before they go on sale, you, uh, go to the Spruce Grove Saints website, and the, the pre-sale code is country, so you can grab them now. So. Oh, the pre-show code is country. Okay, yeah, that's pre- easy to remember. Pre-sale code, it's it's uh, or pre-sale. We're gonna, all your, we're gonna let all your listeners know. So it's country. <laughs> okay, perfect. Thanks for doing this, Gord. Have yeah, a fun thanks. show. Yeah, thanks for having me. That is Gord Bamford, country music star. Grew up uh, in Lacombe, Alberta, as he told you. Now lives near Bashaw. Uh, numerous awards and hits over the years. Uh, so honky tonks, uh, hockey sticks, and honky tonk. We told you it's going to benefit a couple of charities being put on by Silent Ice and the Spruce Grove Saints Saturday, October 24th. And if you go to the Saints website, the pre-sale code is country. They got a pre-sale going on until Saturday. So uh, we're giving you the word so you can get tickets through pre-sale. There you go. Pretty cool. That was awesome to have Gord on the show. We're back after the break. Inside Sports on Chet. That was 
is good to have Gord Bamford on the show. Uh, I just retweeted what the uh, Saints put out earlier. Hockey Sticks and Hockey Honky Tonk featuring Gord Bamford presented by GS Construction and Next Gen Transportation, Atchison, Alberta, Saturday, October 24th at 7. Promo code COUNTRY to get your tickets ahead of time. And then uh, general sale coming up on Saturday. That is cool. 780-496-0063. Former D-man Mark texting in tonight who uh, was 114th in Norris Trophy voting in 1983. He says, Reed, in regarding to extending R&H, there is zero need to get him extended right away. Look no further than the Koskinen contract. Shirelli could have waited, but he didn't. Terrible contract at the time. They gave him term, more money, and a no-trade clause. Uh, that said, it's maybe not terrible, but virtually untradeable. Honestly, being able to trade a player, I think, is the sign if it's a good or bad contract. RNH is a well-rounded player, Pavel Datsuk light. Is he an eight by eight player? Hell no. Is he a seven years times $6 million player? Not likely. I, he's somewhere in between. I believe six and a half million over seven would be fair. Probably a hometown discount. The Oilers need to mine the pennies. Failure to do that will result in a club unable to afford quality depth. I again believe you need to wait to see the current contract landscape, which I believe will be an opener, an eye opener for the players. Uh, this won't be the offseason where free agents cash in. Ultimately, that will probably result in RNH's camp being prepared to accept less. That is from former D man Mark, a well thought out and uh, lengthy text. I had to take several breaths during that, Mark. My goodness, you tested me. That was more of a workout than a 5K run reading that. Look, I, I think uh, is Nuge going to sign for seven or eight years? Probably. Is he, is he uh, going to get six and a half? Probably. Uh, Bob said there, his camp is probably starting at $7 million. Um, But does Nuge want to win here? Yes. Do they need money for depth players? Uh, yes. So maybe that's how that all plays out. But it's good that they're talking and maybe this gets done uh, this offseason as opposed to waiting to next summer or Nuge and Hopkins even becoming a free agent. Appreciate the text there from former D-man Mark. All right. Uh, let's run through the scoreboard. In the sixth, it's the Cardinals leading the Padres 6-2. St. Louis trying to sweep that series. The Braves sweep away the Reds with a 5-0 victory. The Athletics win in Game 3 against the White Sox 6-4, so they move on. Brewers and Dodgers at 8. The Dodgers are up 1-0 in the best of three. Miami is up one game on the Cubs, but that game postponed. So they will resume tomorrow. Thursday night football. Hey, speaking of Def Leppard's hysteria, it is 17-10 for the Broncos leading the Jets with 34 seconds left in the first half. Both teams are 0-3, so somebody's going to win. Well, I guess there could be a tie. There was a tie in the NFL this past weekend. Thanks to Gord Bamford, Bob Stoffer, Buck Martinez, Sam Cosentino for checking in tonight. We'll be uh, back tomorrow with uh, more previewing of the NHL draft. Our coverage will start Tuesday at 4 here on 6.30. Chad. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy's your studio operator. My name's Reed. Thanks for listening. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.